Hallelujah. Wonderful Heavenly Father, King of kings and Lord of lords, your love is our anchor. Our hope is in you alone. We have gathered this morning because we are, we know that you would be here, Lord, because you promised to be here. And you keep your promises. And Lord, we, as we come together with saints of like precious faith, we're conscious, very conscious of our humanity, of our weaknesses, our frailties. The devil reminds us of them all the time. But Lord, we lay that aside this morning. Though we seem in ourselves unworthy when we look at ourselves, but you saw something worthy in us, Lord, that you would shed your own blood for us and count the purchase, the redemption of our lives more value than your own blood. Lord, we give you glory, we give you honor, we give you praise. So many great things you have done for us. And Lord, as we take the time this morning in your word, we have come, even as was prayed in the office, Lord, we have not come to hear the words of a man. We have come to feed on the unfailing, unfailing body word of the Son of Man. Lord, we invite you to have the preeminence. We ask, Lord, that you'll just take complete control from beginning to end. Glorify your name, we pray. Meet the needs. Bless each one, we ask in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. You may have your seats for a moment. Amen. If you'll put the slides up for me. Amen. I just wanted to um, just have just a brief uh, announcement this morning. We have... Uh, a new language up on the Message Hub mobile. And just one month after we were in India, Brother Stanley put a team together there for the Hindi language, and the Hindi language is now available on the Message Hub mobile app. And so on that alone, I count uh, our trip as success, and uh, we thank God for their labors, their diligent labors in pressing forward. Uh, the brothers are working on the Tamil language. They've begun work on the Marathi language. And, and there are other languages as well that we need to add in quickly. So uh, for those of you that speak Hindi, and I say that not to you just that are here, but uh, there are many that watch on the internet. Uh, it's now available. Download the Message Hub mobile and download the uh, Hindi language. That's for you there. Thank you. That's all the singing that we'll do. Sorry to hold you there. Um, I just wanted to show you this picture. A picture is worth a thousand words, uh, they say. And uh, this is a picture of a schoolroom. It's actually only half of the schoolroom because I actually have a video that I'm not showing you that also shows the other half also equally full of men. Uh, this is in Uganda. And these are all Pentecostal ministers that are being preached to by Brother Fred, who is the uh, interpreter for Brother Branham on the radio broadcast uh, there in Uganda. So the move in Uganda is still ongoing. And there are, there are hundreds to be baptized. Brother Fred told me that this meeting went very well, he says, until the bishops showed up to disperse the ministers and threatened them with a lot of, uh, I'll say, denominational fear. 
And uh, we certainly realize that that is a sign of Nicolaitanism when a person is bound to a ministry by fear. And so uh, uh, they, there they are. And, and so there was, but there, nevertheless, there was a no, quite a few that, that walked away. But there was, uh, actually I have the number here. I should, I should uh, give you the accuracy of it. Brother Fred there was, says there was 13 pastors and four of their wives that were baptized that day. Amen. Praise be to God. Amen. And it's ongoing, he says, reaching home during midnight, he says, a group of some of the pastors who were intimidated called me and informed me that they had prepared a meeting in a secret place and that they would like to come and explain more where their bishops could not find them. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> we pray that God will open their eyes and deliver them. We have not received the spirit of fear unto bondage, but we have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. And so there's actually hundreds of believers waiting to be baptized there in Uganda. So I just show you that just to, so you can remember them in prayer. And over in Ethiopia, the baptisms continue. A couple of young men were just baptized. One of these young men, I believe it's the one on the left, uh, had joined himself to Brother Bus Abosi just walking down the street. And uh, Brother Bus was going to a barber. And uh, the man said, oh, I'm going to a barber too. I'll show you the way. And so they were walking. And he spoke quite good English. And so uh, Brother Bus was be- in a- able to relate the message to him. And he, was, he embraced the revealed word of the hour and was baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Isn't it just wonderful? I'd love that. Wouldn't you, Brother Matthew, just have somebody join himself to you walking down the street and testify to them of this glorious message and and see them in the waters of baptism? It would be wonderful if we had that kind of revival breakout in this area. But a revival is sovereign of God. And so we thank God for what he's doing there in Ethiopia. So just a, a brief update on those three areas. Don't want to take up much time there. Amen. Do you love the Lord? I had a wonderful day yesterday, Brother Leon. Thank you so much. Uh, for inviting us to the witness the wedding of your daughter. We certainly appreciate that. And uh, it's not easy, as we heard yesterday, for a father to give up his daughter. And uh, I, pl- I gave up two, and I plan on keeping the last one. <laughs> I'm only kidding. I don't know where she's sitting, but I'm in trouble now. <laughs> Amen. Let's stand together and take our Bibles. Malachi chapter 1 is where we will turn. This is part 3 of the series of the mystery of love revealed. And we know that Christ is the mystery of love revealed. And uh, this, I want to take a subject... I kind of feel like Brother Biscoe's on Easter where he said it's kind of more of a Sunday school type of service, uh, more teaching. Uh, I feel like Brother Branham when he says, you know, I just want to take a subject. just want to take a subject. And we've been in the subject of God's love. And in this morning, I want to, I want to speak about being identified by God's love. Being identified by God's love. Malachi chapter 1 and verse 1. The burden of the word of the Lord to Israel by Malachi. 
I have loved you, saith the Lord. We'll stop right there. Heavenly Father, once again we ask your blessing on the word. When we hear, when we read this chapter, we so often read quickly about Jacob and Esau. But the very first thing of the burden of the word to Malachi, to Israel by Malachi was, I have loved you. And Lord, we thank you for that and we ask your blessing upon the word and the ministry of it for your glory in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. You may have your seats. I'm in, I'm in a different spot uh, this morning. Firstly, I, I, I had forgotten, or at least I had not remembered very well, how hard it is to study with a crying baby. And uh, it's all brought back to my remembrance now. And uh, we, we just labored through the last few days. I think he's teething or something. And, uh, but, I, but in this particular subject this morning, I, I was laboring the last 12 hours or so, uh, maybe 18 hours, uh, realizing I don't have an end point. And uh, so we may be here all day. Uh, uh, I have lots of, lots of word, but I realize I don't really have an ending. Do you know how that feels? <laughs> you, know, you, you, get a, you get a subject and you thought, where is this end? What is, what is the point at the very end? And so we're just going to try and follow the leading of the Lord this morning. Are you with me? Are you hungry? Amen. We've been in the subject of God's love and, and, and the, um, the really the revelation of God's love that has been revealed in the last days. Because we have come to the bride age. We have come to a change of relationship between the church and God. To where he's no longer dealing with us just as church now. But now he has united himself to us as he said he would in the word. That he would present the church to himself as a bride. Not having spot or wrinkle or blemish or any such thing. And we have come to the culmination of all that was in the mind of God. That he would have a Gentile bride and we know that he represented that in many shadows and types in the Old Testament. And whether we look at the book of Esther, whether we look at the book of Ruth, whether we look at the Song of Solomon, whether we look at different relationships in the Old Testament, Joseph having a Gentile bride, being a type of Christ, and different situations, we find that all of this which God reflected in different characters of the Bible is now come to the reality form. And so we could even say that, that in Romans chapter 8 where, where Paul begins to describe the reality of our understanding of who we are and how that all of creation marvels at the, the greatness of God and he says that all of creation is groaning, waiting for the revelation of the sons of God and, or with the King James says manifestation of the sons of God. And so this hour that is upon us is a great manifestation, not just of happenings, but of revealing what it was that he had in his mind as every, all the pieces that God had put in place throughout time and history, down through the Old Testament ages, before the flood, down through the Old Testament, down through seven church ages, all of those pieces fall into place now to bring the fulfillment of God's redemptive plan. And you're living here to see it. 
We're not, we're not looking at it on a screen. We're looking at it in our lives. You know, we're, we're not, you know, we see a prophet's ministry in this age. And I, I was thinking about this, how that God sends a prophet and a prophet sends out the voice of God. And he's the eyes of the Lord. And, and he, he declares the message of God to the age. And that message goes around the world. And that message is vindicated beyond question. And how that, that, that vindicated ministry, now he begins to describe in many ways, and I'm, I'm just kind of giving you an overview here to start, but he begins to describe in many ways how that, how that he is, the, how that this last days has seen such a supernatural vindication, and, but that this is what it is vindicating. It is vindicating, or it is showing, or it is manifesting that God his word and his church are becoming one. And in some ways it looks like he's describing himself. But in other ways it looks like he's pointing to the church. Pointing to the individuals. And so we see it's actually both of those in that his ministry came to signify that we have moved into the rapture cycle. The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, a message that goes out to gather the people together. But as those people catch the message, they begin to to be molded into the message of the hour so that the, the ministry of a prophet that went out and supernaturally vindicated, and we sometimes wonder, and now this is a point I want to get to, we sometimes wonder as we see a prophetic ministry and we see the dead raised, we see the sick healed, we see the secrets of the heart discerned. We see the lame walk. We see the, the cripples receive strength. We see, we see eyes come open. We see all kinds of supernatural miracles. And we see that as the manifestation. And we wonder, will our manifestation be like that? But actually in reality form, there will be some of that. But in reality form, the great victory that you will have is the victory over this flesh. So that individually we won't all be prophets. You understand that? Individually we won't all have ministries that will go out in a great way. There will be various levels of ministry in the body of Jesus Christ. But the greatest ministry that individuals in the body will have is the victory over this flesh. Culminating in the final victory. This mortal shall become immortality. By faith in the word of God. Now. Because God's love. Is being revealed. And the strength of it is being revealed. It's referred to. Very much by his prophet. And in the scripture. As a husband and wife relationship. A man. And his, and his espoused. And, and we read in Ephesians 5. It says for this cause. Shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife. And they too shall be one flesh. And we'll deal with that a little bit more today. Then the apostle Paul says, but this is a great mystery. But I speak concerning Christ and the church. So he takes the natural relationship and he says, but really that's just that scripture. The two shall be one flesh, which Adam was the one that brought that into existence. As he, as he saw the reality of a wife taken from his side come into manifestation. And then he, as he expressed that, Paul picks it up and says, this is a great mystery. 
But in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound, all the mystery shall be finished. And so this mystery of a relationship, as Paul says, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. And so he says, nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife, even as himself and the wife see that she reverence the husband. Now, are you still with me? Malachi, I I can't get away from this scripture all week. And that Malachi takes the burden of the word of the Lord and begins to speak to Israel. He said, this is what God says to you. This is the first thing that God put on my heart to say to you. I have loved you. This this love here is a verb, not a uh, noun. Uh, it's, a, it's an action word. And uh, uh, if you've been here when I've preached on agapo, which is important because in the Greek, the word for God's love is agape. But in its action form, it's agapo. And agapo means love when it is projected. So love in action. And as Brother Branham takes the word, he describes it always as agapo. He never describes it as agape that I've ever heard or noticed. And, uh, and so as he begins to, do, as he talks about love, he's not talking about love as, as, as it exists. The Bible says God is love. That's agape. That's the Apostle John saying God is love. And that's his existence. That's the form of love as it exists. But love as it exists alone is not satisfied. Because love must have an object. Love must be projected. And when divine love is projected, then sovereign grace comes on the scene and produces the result. And so we see the, the aspect, and these are uh, things that I've said and spoke on before, but just bringing it together this morning. So in the Greek, it would be agapo if... If God was using Greek in the book of Malachi here, I have loved you or I have projected my love to you. And in saying you, not just I have loved, but I have loved you. Because he had said, I have loved you, then you is the object of the love, or that's the third form of agapo, which is agapetos, which is actually beloved. And the word beloved appears in many places in the Bible, which we could go into. And God, who is love, projected that love to Israel. And I'll say, God, who is love, the reason that you are here is because God projected his love to you. Not just that he projected his love, or not even that we would take the statement that God so loved the world. That he gave his only begotten son. No, God had specific individuals in mind for fellowship. And that is you. I have loved you. Hallelujah. It's not just that I have loved or just that I am love or recognize that God is love or come into the revelation of this great big idea of love. It's it's not good enough. You know, people say, oh, if God is a God of love, then what about this? Or if God is a good God, then what about that? Let me tell you something. It's not so much what's happening out there. The question is, did God project his love to you? 
And we'll get into that here this morning because that and that alone is the identification that is in God's love. Now take your Bible and turn with me to Isaiah chapter 43 because there's actually two other places that God says this. One is in Isaiah 43. In verse 1 it says, But now thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel. Alright, so now he's expressing himself as a creator. He says, Fear not, for I have redeemed thee, I have called thee by thy name, thou art mine. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. And when thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned. Neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. All right, so he's talking about no matter what trial you go through, I'm with you. Okay, and then he says in the next verse, For I am the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel, thy Savior. I gave Egypt for thy ransom, Ethiopia and Seba for thee. Since thou was precious in my sight, thou hast been honorable and I have loved thee. Therefore will I give men for thee and people for thy life. Fear not, for I am with thee. I will bring thy seed from the east and gather thee from the west. I will say to the north, give up, and to the south, keep not back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the end of the earth. Every one that is called by my name, for I have created him for my glory. And remember, the woman is the glory of the man. I have formed him, yea, I have made him. All right, now, just hold that in your thoughts just for a moment. Matter of fact, just hold your scriptures there because I don't think I'll turn to Jeremiah 31, but Jeremiah 31 is also the other place, you can read it later, where God says, The Lord hath appeared of old unto thee, saying, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. And God goes on to describe what he will do for Israel. So God is identifying Israel by his love here in in Isaiah chapter 43. And notice verse uh, 3. He says, I gave Egypt for thy ransom, Ethiopia and Seba for thee. Now here we find the same thought that Malachi is saying. Because God is saying here through Israel, he says, I wasn't interested in Egypt. I gave Egypt for your ransom. I wasn't interested in Ethiopia or Seba. I gave that for you. He says, those are things that that were not the object of my love. You are the object of my love. All right. He says it in in Malachi. He he refers to it between Jacob and Esau. when When God says to them, you say, Wherefore have you loved me, or how have you loved me? He says, was not Esau Jacob's brother? Yet Esau have I hated, and Jacob have I loved. And so God's expressing something here. He says, you're mine, and my love is what identifies you as mine. Now, I know I've got you hanging just a bit. Where is he going with it? It's it's deep, but it's not deep. Now, I'll take a step back for a moment. 
And I'll say it this way. You are identified by the fact that God loved you. And I hope by the end of the service you'll really understand what that means. Your identification is literally in God's love. And it's not just some kind of emotion or some kind of feeling because Brother Branham takes the scripture in Malachi 1 as we referred to last time. And he says, Israel did not understand. He says, you see, they could not figure out God's love. They thought that love meant no suffering. All right? They thought that love meant a baby with parental care. Now I'm going to stop here for a moment. Jesus was the projection of God's love. Jesus comes to the earth and he... The Bible says Jesus loved Mary and Martha and Lazarus. He loved them. Even when Jesus came to the grave of Lazarus, the Bible records that Jesus wept. And people around him say, see how he loved him. And so, but, but when Jesus, the, the message came to Jesus, they sent a message to Jesus who wasn't there. It says, your friend Lazarus is sick. And when Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. And it says, Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. And when he had heard that he was sick, here we go, when he heard that he was sick, somebody that you love is sick. And it says, When Jesus heard that Lazarus was sick, he says, he abode two days still in the same place. Now here's a man that he loved. Here's somebody that he really cared about. Here's a, here's a man when Jesus would, would uh, or when, when uh, Martha, you know, came running to Jesus as Jesus approached a couple of days later and Lazarus, Lazarus had already been put in the grave. He had already been four days in the grave. And, and as Martha come running and said, Jesus, if you would have come, he would not have died. Now, she's, she's seeing something here of a relationship that she's not understanding. That Jesus' love for Mar- Mary and Martha and Lazarus is much higher than what a human can understand. Are you with me? All right, let's go back to the Garden of Eden. And back there in the Garden of Eden, God has two children. He made Adam, and then out of Adam, he took Eve. And there was Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Now Satan had been vanquished in heaven and, and had fought against Michael and his angels and he had been cast out of heaven. And where did Lucifer come down? He come right down into Eden. Now God could have changed that. God could have changed that. But, he, but he, he, as they came down into Eden... As, as the devil came down into Eden and his imps came down with him and the devil come into the serpent and begin to sow doubt in Eve's mind and begin to beguile her and begin to deceive her until finally he got her to believe what he was saying over what God had said. 
God could have stopped it. God could have said, Adam, go to your wife right now. Come on. God can do anything, but he didn't. Why didn't he do that? Because he knew he would fall. He knew that they would be cast out of the Garden of Eden. But in that, God had a purpose. And his purpose was that he would express himself as a savior. Was that he would express himself as a healer. He would express himself as a provider. He would express himself as a deliverer. So there was suffering that they had to go through to experience God's love. Come on. There was suffering that Mary and Martha and Lazarus had to go through to experience the love of God the way God wanted to express his love. See, we often become like Israel. And what we think love is like parental love. Oh God, if you love me, why am I suffering? I'll even say we apply, we try and apply our parental love to our children as God's love. Now this one gets sensitive. I have children, you have children. I would never insult you to say you don't care about your children. You care about your children. You love them. You don't want them to go into the world. You don't want them to be scarred like you were scarred. Amen? Those of us that came in from the world. You don't want them to experience some of the evil things that you had to go through or I had to go through or scars that were back in our lives. We would rather that they were raised in the message of the hour, raised under the anointed word of the hour, walk in the light, be brought up in the right atmosphere, just walk right into God and, and just uh, uh, experience a complete overcoming life. And I believe God has that for some. But I actually don't believe that that's for all. Because that's parental love. But God, when he looked at Adam and Eve, says, I'm going to let you go out in the world. And I'm not trying to excuse anything. Don't, don't misunderstand me. I would that all of my children never were touched by the world. And that all of your children were never touched by the world. But yet God's love is higher than our love. And we have to be really careful as parents even. That we come to the place of revelation realizing that, Lord, it's not what I want in my children. It's what you want in my children. I believe every one of them is going to be saved. We claim our children without a shadow of a doubt. We have a promise. Amen. We have the word of God that our household shall be saved. We have the word of God that is a promise. We don't know how it's going to happen. We don't know if it'll be a Hattie Wright situation. We don't know if it'll be some other situation. We don't know when they'll come to the altar or in their room or whether it be a, 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 where is he, Johnny Waldner experiences he here somewhere over there or just in a moment in his room, whether it be a Victor Adamore experience. We don't know if it'll be that type of an experience. We don't know whether it'll be a Michael Diaz experience. We don't know whether it'll be an Abraham Wong experience. We don't know what kind of experience it's going to be, but they're going to come. They will be there because the word of God says so. Not because of my love for them. Don't get me wrong. I do love them. You do love them. We do care about them. We do want them there. But it's God's love that's going to take them there. Hallelujah. 
It goes way beyond my thoughts as a parent. Because Israel thought it was like parental love. God's love is not like parental love with no suffering. But he said, but God said that his love was elective. The proof of his love is election. That no matter what happened, his love was proven truly by the fact they were chosen unto salvation. Hallelujah. Are you still with me? I didn't lose you on that point, did I? (laughs) Praise the Lord. I'm glad God's love is higher than my love. I'm glad that his love is even higher than a mother's love. As he describes it, he says, can a mother forget her sucking child? He says, she may, but I'll never forget you. Oh, I'm so glad for that. I'm so glad that, you know, there are times, uh, you know, I'm a parent. Is this all right? I'm a parent. I ask myself many times, did I pray for my children yesterday? I wonder if I remembered them in prayer. Usually I pray for them every day, but so a day goes by and then I think, I wonder if I prayed for them yesterday. I'm glad it doesn't depend on me remembering to pray for them. Hallelujah. If God had to depend on me for my children coming in, they'll never make it. It's his eternal love. They were in his thoughts before the foundation of the world. Hallelujah. Amen. So God brings forth his bride in love. And in that love, there is a, an identification of God's elect in his love. And we are identified by that because outside of that, there is no identification. Esau could not be identified in God because he could not be found in the love of God. But, but as, as love is, is revealed, you know, we could even talk about the rich young ruler, how Jesus beholding him loved him. Now, now don't misunderstand what is happening here because we would often say, well, Jesus loved the rich young ruler, but he wasn't saved. No, Jesus projected love to the rich young ruler. He, the rich young ruler was not in the mind of God before the foundation of the world. But when love was projected to the rich young ruler that brought the word by his way and says, Oh, I see what your problem is. What your problem is, you got too many possessions. You got too much of this world's good. Go sell all that you got and give it to the poor and come and take up your cross and follow me. There was nothing in the rich young ruler to respond to that love. Amen. So it's not just love being projected, but it's elective love. In that God chose us in him before the foundation of the world. And so we realize that there was the, the, uh, the man that came to Jesus, one of the scribes that came to Jesus and began to ask him, you know, which is the greatest commandment? And Jesus begins to describe the greatest commandment is the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. It's not just God projecting love to you, but can you receive that love and project back to him? And the second is like it, love thy neighbor as thyself. And so we see that God revealing the mystery of his love, we have come to this great... Now listen, we just come to the time. Let's just... 
I've, I've spoken, you know, a lot of phrases and stuff so far. But let me just say it simply. We have come to the time where the revelation of God's love is so clear in the message of the hour that the power of God is so strong in this message that we have come to a creative time. There's never been an hour like this hour. People look at this message and go, ah, oh, it's, you know, some guy with a seventh grade education can't even put his words together. You know, uh, uh, you know, sometimes you can't understand why he says this over here and that over there and why this happened here and that happened there. Not contradictory, just our misunderstandings. And then in all of that, we, we, we try, people that are intelligent try and put it together. But let me tell you something. In this message is the love of God that created the universe verse revealed in its entirety in the days of the voice of the seventh angel when he shall begin to sound all the mystery of God and God is love all the mystery of love shall be finished it's laying there right in the message of the hour and we hear love will conquer we hear love will prevail we hear love is the greatest power that there is and we hear those things we wonder how can we get it it's laying there right in the word so that you and I can lay a hold of it and say oh God I see you the way I ought to see you and I walk in faith in those things because God loves you now So I'll ask you a question. We've come to bride time. And I'll ask you the question. Are you really willing to be the bride of Jesus Christ? There's an identification that goes with marriage. And the bride has been identified. Because God has revealed what his love is, and we are identified by that love. Now, we had a marriage here yesterday. I was thankful for the marriage we had here yesterday because I took some types out of there. So excuse me for saying some of these things about the marriage. It applies to any marriage, really. But Brother Jean-Louis and Sister Sarah, Sister Princess, have, I don't think they're here this morning, are they? No, and uh, that's probably good. And they've gone on their way to their honeymoon. And Brother Tom officiated the ceremony. And you saw them standing here under a gazebo. And they were signing papers. The reason they're signing papers is because he'll send a paper to the government. And the government will receive that paper that these two have been solemnly united in holy matrimony. And the government in turn... They, they can then apply to the government, if I have it right here in B.C. Most of my weddings were performed in Alberta. But it, if they apply to the government, then the government will send them a certificate. And she can take that certificate to the bank. And she can then say, my name is no longer Sarah Gerland. Thank you. But I don't know John Louis' last name. Flores. But my name now is Sarah Flores on the basis of a ceremony that took place. Her identification changed. Something took place and she moved from Sarah Gerland to Sarah Flores. And she can walk into the bank with that piece of paper and say, here's the proof of my identification change. 
Here, here's the identification that shows that I'm his wife. And she's had a headship change. And Brother Branham shows that, said that, explains that the marriage ceremony represents that in that no previous headship applies to her anymore. She is now under a new headship. And so he becomes her identity, a new identity. All that he is, she is. All right. And that needs to be considered now, especially for young couples that are, if I can take a little bit of liberty here this morning, for young couples that want to be married, for young men that are looking for a young wife, for a wife and, and, and a wife that's looking for a husband, she has to be, she has to consider those things now as brother Tom preached yesterday, we're, we're old fashioned. We don't believe that marriage is two individuals cohabitating. We believe the scripture that says these two shall be one flesh. We believe that she takes on the identity of her husband. And so she has to consider before she accepts his proposal. Am I willing to take on this identity? And so young men that are single. And I can mostly look in this section here. But young men that are single. I would say do you have an identity that's worth taking on? Do you have something that a young lady would look at you and say, that's what I want to be identified with the rest of my life? Not somebody that just goes from pillar to post. Not somebody that just, you know, doesn't know how to hold down a job or doesn't know how to have two cents in the bank or drives some old broken down vehicle or, you know, uh, is unable to get to church every service. We can just go on and on in this, couldn't we? And, you know, somebody that doesn't have a vision for their spirituality. Somebody that doesn't know whether he's coming or going. Somebody that doesn't know how to get into the word. Never talks about God all of those kind of things that's not an identity for a young lady to be identified with but she's got to find the right kind of identity because when they come to the altar she has to be willing to give over her identity to him and say now this is the one and i appreciated what sister sarah i've watched all you sisters wipe your eyes yesterday as she said you know you are my home She says, you don't have to take me home anymore. You are my home. Because that's a revelation in her heart. This is something that is forever. All that I was is now culminated in the fact I put it into your hands. You alone, as I'm quoting the church age book, no other man, no other power has any right or responsibility over me. You have all rights, but you have also all responsibility. Praise the Lord. That's a, that's a particular kind of love that only comes in a marriage. That it's not just love in the sense of caring. I love my children, but I won't take on their identity. I love my pastor, but I won't take on his identity. There's going to be some baptisms this morning that are representative. I love Jesus Christ. Therefore, I am taking on his identity. I will be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, in 
in the message, Total Separation from Unbelief, Brother Branham says it this way. He says, Paul was a Nazarite unto the Lord. He was separated from his Orthodox church to the word of the living God. And he says, Aaron was a Nazarite unto the Lord. He was separated from among the brethren to bear the birthstones and to be the high priest. It is a total separation. We were not to go back into the world no more or have anything to do with the world but cleave unto God. I'll pause. You can say amen if you want. We're not to go back to the world. We're not to have identifications in the world. He says Jesus is coming after a bride, a woman, a church that's separated from the things of the world or the cares of the world. She's separated from the fashions of this modern age that we live in. She's separated from the cares and the traditions of churches. She's separated only to God and God is the word. And as husband and wife is one, so does the bride and the word become one. For the word's living through the bride. Listen now. For the word is living through the bride. That's her credentials. That's her identification. It's not a piece of paper that says, I joined Cloverdale Bible Way. Or I became the bride because I attend this church or I attend that church or I believe this or I was baptized or this or that. No, your identification is the word is living through you. Your identification to the world that you're the bride of Jesus Christ is because the word is living through you. The token is on display, really. The life of Christ is displaying itself. And so as, as you walk amongst the world, they say, who are you? My identification is the life that I live. My identification is the power that works through me. My identification is the reality that Christ is in me. He and I have become united. It's not a piece of paper. Brother Brown goes on. He says, I could pull out a PhD or an LLD and show my credentials from some certain organization or from some school. And that school would recognize that credential. But the only credential that a believer has is the word of God living in him. Declaring Jesus Christ lives in that person. Hallelujah. What an age we live in. Anybody ever read the news? Just me. Okay. Well, let me tell you what the news is like. It's a terrible age out there. And it's getting worse. I I can't share with you all the things that are happening even around the world of the governments tightening up their laws against anything that's not part of the World Council of Churches. And, the, and we've experienced that even recently. And this age that we're living in also, now I'm going to talk about marriage, or have been talking about marriage. In this age, they try to make marriage something that it is not. Because the scriptural point of marriage, the mystery of marriage, is that these two become one. You can't do that if they're both women. Or both men. Alright? You can't do that in divorce and remarriage. You can't take one and divide it and add another piece and make it one again and take, divide that and add another piece and make that one again. That just messes everything up. All right. 
And so we, we realize even Jesus took that up as they begin to describe about divorce. And they said, well, you know, Moses gave us a writing of divorcement. And Jesus said, but from the beginning, it wasn't so. You know, that which was in the beginning was not intended to be like that. And so then if these two are one, there is no separation except through death. You cannot divide them. And I want you to notice now, I'll go back to the marriage ceremony yesterday. Oh, it was so good. It was so good. I, I, thank you to the Filipino people for being Filipino. And, uh, you know, they, they just brought some things into the marriage that I just appreciated. I like how the groom, they read those letters. Did you know they were reading those letters? You must have known that. They read those letters to each other. That's a custom we're not used to in Canada. And they really bared their thoughts. And the groom, such a type of the heavenly bridegroom, he says, when I first saw you, you were the woman of my dreams. Praise the Lord. You were the woman of God's dreams. You were in his thoughts before the foundation of the world. When he was alone, he was dreaming of you. Okay, thinking of you, whatever way you want to describe it. But you were his thoughts. That was way back there. And the groom there yesterday, he just described that. He said, that, that's the man part. That's the masculine part. As soon as I saw you, I know you were the one I was dreaming of. You are the one that would fulfill my dreams, in other words. You are the one that would be the thoughts of my thoughts, flesh of my flesh, bone of my bone, life of my life. And so he, he might not even have understood what he was saying, but it was something being expressed from the inside. And so there he was, and she was the, the wife of his dreams. And then I loved how she said it. Excuse me for saying it this way. When I saw you, it was not love at first sight. <laughs> <laughs> you laugh but that's the way it was with us too a lot of times when we first heard the word we thought oh that's pretty strong <laughs> it was not necessarily love at first sight when we heard this message we thought, oh my that, that's the strongest i've ever heard it what do you mean my my church is dead what do you mean that i got to be rebaptized? what do you mean that i got to surrender my life what do you mean that, that that god sent a prophet what do you mean the original sin wasn't eating an apple what do you mean by that oh my maybe it wasn't love at first sight but as he began to reveal himself then the deep begin to respond there was something deep inside of us that I, and I loved how she described it yesterday. She began to see his personality. She began to listen to his voice. Seven years. I thought, how appropriate. Seven church ages. You know, you laugh. Don't worry. I'm not getting over spiritual. This is actually in the word. You know, there he was, Revelation chapter 1, standing in the midst of the seven ages, the seven candlesticks, making himself known to the church, the sevenfold glory of his person. We all laughed when she said, and, I, and one thing was your hair. And as soon as she said that, my mind went to Revelation 1, his hair was white as wool. Hallelujah. Something began to be revealed. And something struck her, your hair. Then she said, your eyes. His eyes were as a flame of fire. Standing in the midst of the church, revealing himself. He wasn't love at first sight, but he began to reveal himself. 
She began to see his characteristics. She began to see his glory. She began to see his image. She began to see his likeness. She be, he began to unfold himself to her and she fell in love. Hallelujah. The way he smiled is humor. Then she said, gradually, and I'm quoting, gradually it all became clear to me. You were exactly what I was looking for. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'll tell you what. I looked when I was a teenager. I looked when I was in my late teens. I looked here. I looked there. But then he began to reveal himself to me. And then it began to dawn on me. He's exactly what I'm looking for. Hallelujah. He's the one I've been looking for all my life. And when I met him, I didn't look for any other. There was nobody else I could love but him. So as he became revealed to her, she fell in love. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I got to go back to the eyes. You know, you all read, you, you all sat and listened to it, thought, oh, that's sweet. Your hair, your eyes. Well, you might have looked at his eyes and not saw nothing. But you might have looked at his eyes and thought, ain't much to that. But she looked at his eyes. Listen, these seven are the eyes of the Lord that run to and fro in the earth. These seven that he has in his right hand. They're called stars in Revelation 1. But in, Ze- in Zechariah, they're called the eyes of the Lord. And so when everybody else looks at those eyes, when everybody else looked at the eyes for this age, they didn't see nothing. But the bride saw something. <laughs> Hallelujah. So they, they looked at it and go, oh, that doesn't match my theology. That doesn't, that, I don't agree with that. I sent, I sent a church age book to an uncle of mine. And his response was, I don't believe those things. And my response was, you may not believe them, but they're still true. Just because you don't believe them doesn't make them not true. Hallelujah. Because when I looked in the eyes of the Lord or through the eyes of the Lord, and when I heard his voice, it meant something to me. I fell in love with him. Someone else maybe didn't. That's up to them. But I fell in love with the one that I saw. The eyes of the Lord that he sent in this hour. And you know, Israel is looking for the Messiah. And they're waiting for the Gentile. They don't know it. But they're waiting for the Gentile bride to get out of the way. They, they don't realize that, that we're the one that's, we're the reason they can't see it. Because we're still here. But when the last member of the bride of Jesus Christ comes in, then the scripture will be fulfilled. Then will come to pass the prophecy, death is swallowed up in victory. This mortal will take on immortality. This body will be changed. Won't that be a wonderful thing? We're waiting, we're groaning, we're struggling, we're wrestling against sickness, we're fighting against the devil, we're in a warfare. I really like that thought on Wednesday night, total war. And, and how the devil is in total war. He's put all of his resources against us. But we will still prevail. 
And in the midst of all that, it's going to come to a culmination where all of a sudden we won't even realize it. We won't even know who it is. But somewhere in the world, that last member will fall into its place. And then God says, she's all ready. Hallelujah. Then in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, we'll all be changed. Something will happen and this mortal will put on immortality. This aged body will become young again. I was talking to an unsaved friend of mine the other day. We went for coffee. I've been trying to, to introduce him to the Lord. And, and uh, uh, I, 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 actually, I was pretty blunt with him this time. And I said to him, I said, listen, I want you to know the only reason I care about you is your soul. There's a worldly friend of mine. I says, the reason I go for coffee with you is because I care about your soul. Uh, I trust you do that with your worldly friends too. And, and, and I, I, was, I was trying to explain to him or we were talking about different things. And he says, you know, he says, have you ever thought that, you know, he, he was just about turning 60. He says, but I only feel like I'm 25. I thought, oh, here we go. He said, I said, yeah, your body ages, but your spirit doesn't age and your soul's eternal. There's something in there that you don't even realize. This body is aging, but it's got to come back into the image of that which is inside of us. Even our spirits will be, will be totally cleansed of the scars of the world. Won't that be wonderful? Yeah. Hallelujah. You that wrestle with things that happened in your past, let me tell you, one day that'll be gone. That'll be completely gone. I have that on the basis of a prophet. And, and so because that'll be totally gone, we'll walk, we'll not just walk in a young body, but we'll think young again. As he said, and every thought I was young again. And I'm looking forward to that hour because there's, there's coming a time when the last member of the bride of Jesus Christ comes into position and then something will take place and we'll be changed. And, and there'll be a whatever period of time and with whatever happens on the other side of that, I don't know. There's no way you can know for sure. I just want to be there. And then when that happens now, God is taking his bride away into the palace or to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he turns to come back to the Jews. And then something will take place under the two witnesses. And their eyes will become open. And they'll see him for what he really is. Because that's the anti-type of the Feast of Atonement. The seven trumpets will call them to that feast. And they'll recognize him. And in that, their attitude will be changed. As Brother Branham said in the Feast of the Trumpets, he says, the seventh trumpet does for them what the seventh seal does for us. It changes our attitude towards him. And their attitude towards him will be changed. As the scripture says, they'll look at him and says, where did you get those scars? In the house of my friends. And they'll realize that he was the one. They'll realize He was the one they were always looking for. Hallelujah. I'm glad that we've realized he's the one that we've always been looking for. Have you realized that this morning? Do you really know that he is the one that you've always been looking for? Do you really understand? Oh, I want to go to one more scripture this morning. Do you really catch what it means to have this message? The mighty God unveiled before you. I'm not just in love with the message. The message is just a phrase we use. 
I'm in love with Jesus Christ who revealed himself through the light of this message. I had somebody ask me not too long ago. He says, he says I, I, I don't think that the message has enough counseling for marriage. I said, are you kidding me? My marriage was a wreck before I came to this message. And then when God shone the light of this message on his word, it totally revolutionized my home. And not only that, my first wife passed away. And now I've got another wife and it works just the same in that marriage as it did in the first one. Hallelujah. It produces good marriages because it is indeed the revelation of marriage. The invisible union between the heavenly bridegroom and the earthly bride reflecting himself right into our home so we can have the type of marriages that we were meant to have. Brother Branham says the word moves on down into the body from the head. What is it? The same word. Nothing can be added or taken from it. This is Christ the mystery of God revealed. So that same word moves from the head as the day comes close down into the body. Down into the body vindicating that they are one, their husband and wife, their flesh of his flesh, word of his word, life of his life, spirit of his spirit. As I read that, I know it gets quiet because you're trying to, you know, how does that apply to this? In in other words, Brother Brown says, this union that's taking place right now, this son of man ministry, the son of man revealed, which is love revealed amongst the church as a bride and a bridegroom. All that was in God, he poured into Christ, first part. All that was in Christ, he poured into the church, second part, seven church ages. That in the last days, the church and the word would unite as Adam and Eve to walk out into another garden of Eden. That's the threefold redemptive purpose of God. The things that he had hid in the back part of his mind that's now come right down to the husband and wife part. All right. Philippians chapter 2, if you would. Last scripture. I know there's some baptisms this morning, so we don't want to take up the entire time. Like I said, I'm still looking for the out. I'm in, but now I'm looking where to get out. I began to study this scripture this week in the light of what God's prophet said about it. In verse 5, he says, Let this mind be in you. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Now, Brother Adam takes this scripture in the last few years of his ministry from two different angles. One angle he takes is the amorphe of God. In the unveiling of God, who is this Melchizedek, those places, he begins to describe God changing his mask, God unveiling himself, God revealing himself. 
And this is his opening scripture in unveiling of God. But he also takes it in another place. And in several places in the latter part of his ministry, actually more places, he takes it from the aspect of identification. And he says, and he takes the thought, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Dealing with the recognizing of yourself in the word. Are you identified with this unveiled God? Do you find yourself there? When God unveils himself, do you see yourself? Let me say it that way again. When God unveils himself, do you see yourself? Now, when God called Abraham, he had to leave his former identity and take on the identity of the calling that he was called to. The calling is different from the separation. The calling is sovereign. As many who, those who he foreknew, he did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, what's the next part? Them he also called. He called it. You don't call yourself. He called you. He brought the word by your way. He reveals himself to you. All right. So the calling is sovereign. But Abraham had to separate himself from Lot before God could fully show him who he was. Not just who God was, but who Abraham was. Because when Abraham, after Abraham, the scripture says, or after Lot had separated himself from Abraham, then God said to Abraham, look to the north, to the south, to the east, to the west. All this land have I given you. Are you with me? All right. So he's now showing him something that he couldn't show him before the separation. And so Abraham had to become completely identified with not what he had formerly known. Abraham could not call on any history to find this place. You see, there was no record in the Bible anywhere that Abraham ever consulted with Shem. Did you know Shem was still alive when Abraham was alive? And so, but there's no history that Abraham ever crossed paths with Shem or consulted with him. But God began to deal with this man called Abram. And he tells him, now get out of this country that you're in, the city of Ur, and go to a place that I will show you. Now Abraham was called, but he had to make a choice. Will I identify with this voice that called me, or am I identified with my family? Am I identified with my culture? Am I identified with that which I've always known, or will I hear the voice and become identified with that voice? And so Abraham was called not just to a land, but to an entirely different walk. Brother Branham says in total separation, he says a separation from everything, anything from church, from community, from belief, from family, or anything that would stand between you and believing the entire word of God. If your soul will not punctuate every promise for this hour with an amen, there's something wrong somewhere. You need a separation. 
So Abraham had to think about that in a, in a conscious decision of his own self. All that he knew, would he choose to be identified with the nature of the life that was calling him or did he want to stay the old Abram? You see, when, when God originally spoke and he said, leave, Abraham had to follow those instructions and go out into the land until the time that God would reveal more, all the way up to the time where Abraham was 90 years old and nine. He heard about the land that was promised to him. He heard about his seed will be as the sand on the seashore. He heard about his seed will be as the stars in the heaven. He heard about all these promises. But one day, This one that has spoke to him came to him and said, Abraham, I am the almighty one. I am the almighty God. Get strength from me. Walk before me and be thou perfect. Now God was identifying more. And and the Bible records of Abraham that Abraham grew stronger in faith. Amen. He did not get weaker and go, oh, woe is me. And I, the more I see of God, the weaker I get. No, Abraham grew stronger in faith, saying, the more I see of God, the more I believe he's able to perform that which he promised me. Amen. Hallelujah. The more I believe that he's in control of everything. Amen. When I went down into Egypt and into Greer and the king wanted to take my wife away, God came on the scene. Because God had to protect that seed line. And so God was the one that was in control. So Abraham in the Bible was identified with faith. But faith in what? Faith in the word that was spoken to him. That was Abraham's identification. That faith wasn't independent of God. But as we would say, he was a great man of faith. No, he wasn't a great man of faith. He was a great man of faith in the word. That's what identified Abraham. It was entirely identified in the word of God. And as God revealed himself to Abraham, he was revealing to Abraham what he was. Now we're living in an age where people think it's normal for a marriage to break down. The devil has sowed that concept of marriage in people's thoughts. And it has become accepted as normal. Not amongst believers, but amongst the world. And the pressure of the, of the age that we're living in, there is no such a thing as a marriage breakdown in the mind of a believer. Because the believer has the mind of God. It's not normal. It's a last day's deception. Nobody gets married to get divorced. But they see relationships crumble. And we see it all around us in the world. Relationships crumbling before their eyes. People feeling helpless to do anything. But the marriage between Christ and his bride will never break down. There's no such thing as a marriage breakdown in the mind of God. He had in his thoughts that there would be a Gentile bride. He had in his thoughts that there would be an Eve that would not fall. He had in his thoughts that there would come a union in the last days. You see, it's not up to us to try and uphold this message. This message is upholding us. It's the love of God that's been projected to us to show us that we're a bride of a different material. We're a people that's been made of a different cloth. If there ever was a people that could be called peculiar, it's us. Because the reason we're peculiar is because we have marriages that don't break down. 
Amen. We have homes that, that are filled with love and, and that are put in the right kind of order. And, and we know how to apply the word in our lives and bring things into manifestation. There are that, there's that kind of a reality. And that's why Brother Branham said in the message, Perfect Faith, that when a bride walks by rapturing faith, she becomes a mystic to the world. Because she's walking by perfect faith in what the word says she is. Or in other words, her faith is identifying her with the one that called her. Just like Abraham. Brother Branham says the whole thing is God becoming material. Like a husband and a wife. Becoming one together. God and his church becoming one. See, it's displaying, showing by type, like the whole Bible. God becoming together with a redeemed wife. That God had in his mind before the foundation of the world. That was the attributes of God being displayed. Over in the message, Christ the mystery of God revealed. He says, he's the head of the body, which is his church, the bride. Then the bride body must follow the head. For it's part of his resurrection and part of the mystery. It's impossible for it not to go. Oh my, it's part of God's mystery. How God revealed himself here and raised it up by the word. So he reveals the church and raises it up by the same word. It's part of his threefold mystery. Hallelujah. When a husband and wife unite, I think one of them alluded to it yesterday. We don't know what the future holds, but whatever it is, we'll face it together. It's a mystery. When my wife and I united, She's here somewhere. I don't even know where she's sitting this morning. It's probably a good thing. She's in the back. That's probably even better. But when my wife and I united, she had a lot of questions. Who is this man? This minister? Her parents had questions. Matter of fact, her parents had more questions than she did. I'll look over in this direction right now. There's a lot of questions because once you're married, that's it. This is the one that I'm identified with the rest of my life. And so as that marriage union came together, and as I said to Brother Victor, she began to discover more about me after marriage than before. So she had to have a certain level of faith on the basis of what was showed her before marriage. That what would come after marriage would be good and not bad. Can you identify with me? And that's the way God is. God reveals himself to you as a savior. But he's more than a savior. But he lets you know, I'm your savior. Though you're lost in sin, I'll take those sins away. If you'll just repent of them, I'll put them under the blood. And they'll, they'll be remembered no more. Hallelujah. Maybe God reveals himself to you as a deliverer. You're bound in cigarettes. 
You're bound in alcohol. You're bound in drugs. You're bound in lust. You're bound in other things of the world. You're, you're, you're in bondage to these kind of spirits. But God comes by your way and says, just trust me. I'll set you free of those things. And just put your hand in mine and we'll walk together. And we do that. And we come united to him. And he fills us with his Holy Spirit. And that's the beginning of the relationship. Really as husband and wife in this age. And so as that begins to take place in our life. We can begin to discover. And it's only then. And I'm really speaking to unbelievers this morning. It's only then after you give yourself entirely to them. Like these people that are going to be baptized this morning. When you give yourself entirely to him. Then he begins to reveal himself but I'm much more than that. Hallelujah. I I have much more for you than you ever dreamed about. I want to take you places that you never thought about. I want to perfect your character in a way that you didn't know was possible. Hallelujah. Because I'm going to take you through things, but even though you go through the river, I'll be with you. Even though you go through the flood, I'll be with you. Even though you go through the fire, I'll be with you. Because I have a purpose in all of those things. I called you by election that I might wash you in the water of the word. And perfect your character that I might present to myself a bride. Being perfect without spot or blemish or wrinkle or any such thing. Hallelujah. It's God molding himself in our lives. You say, oh, brother Tim, I got the Holy Ghost, but I'm still going through things. That's because he's revealing himself to you. Oh, I thought it was the devil. Yeah, the devil's putting you through it. But it's in order that God might reveal himself to you. Why did God allow Job to go through what he went through? Because God wanted to show him, I am the resurrection and the life. God wanted to show them, though the skin worms destroy your body, yet in your flesh you shall see God. You're not like a tree that goes into the ground. You're not like a flower. You're not like an animal. You are a a son or a daughter of God, and I have eternal life for you. You'll always live before me. You'll always be a part of me. You always were in my mind, and you'll always be in my mind. Brother Manum says what God, I'm coming to a close here. What God in Christ manifested, he gave that flesh and blood that in the blood might come life. That and the flesh be redeemed. That the, that, that God in his, in this redeemed flesh could manifest his word for the day as he did in that day. Hallelujah. That's God's love. He says, She is his body, the manifested truth of his promised word for the last days. And she stands, she and she and she alone stands by it. That's why the devil is howling. These great organizations set up something to close her up. They'll never do it. She'll be taken up, not closed up. Hallelujah. I'm standing on that statement because I recognize in different areas of the world as I've been in contact with brothers in different areas of the world, there are laws coming into place. There are government regulations coming. As I speak now, I can't even share some of them with you, but I'll just say there are things that are coming into place that are trying to stop this message from reaching into different places. 
But I'll tell you what, she will not be closed up. She'll be taken up. And in order for her to be taken up, there will be the redeemed come from every corner of this earth. Every kindred, tongue, and nation must give up their elect of God. Hallelujah. They must let them go as God has called for them. And if you go back into Jeremiah, he says, I call for the north. I call for the south. I call for the east. I call for the west. Let them come and let them come to Zion. What is Zion? Zion is the capstone. Zion is the bride of Jesus Christ. Zion is there is the fullness of the redemptive purpose of God. Let them come to Zion. Says they'll hear my voice in Mount Ephraim and they'll come to Zion. They'll hear about me in different parts of the world and they'll come to Zion. What's Zion? It's not a place in Jerusalem. That's only a shadow. What Zion is, is the fullness of the revealed word. Hallelujah. That's why we see them coming in from all of these different nations and all of these different places now. How many will receive it? I don't know. All I know is we're doing everything in our effort to get this message out there. Because it's not me, it's not any other minister, it's the revealed word of the hour that will catch the eye of the elect. The elect of the hour are quickened by the message of the hour. We've come to the time where love, oh we've known love, we've known human love, we've known filial love. We've known love on different levels. We've known denominational love. We've known the love of God in a shadow. We've known the love of God hidden behind, as it were, as the Song of Solomon says, hidden behind a lattice. We've known, we've known the voices that spoke to us. We've gone out looking for him. But now we've come to the time where the purity of love has been revealed. The world in the beginning in the Garden of Eden had agapo love, God's divine love, a perfect atmosphere. Everything was perfect there. Perfect love and it became corrupted into filial love, which Brother Branham says is just a shadow of a shadow of a shadow of God's love. And it's gone down and been degraded by human life down through the ages. But now in the last days, we're being returned from filial love back to God's love. Hallelujah. This message now is the fullness of the revelation of God's love. The fullness of the revelation of creative power. Do you realize what you're holding in your hands? If you wanted a manual of how Genesis 1 happened, you've got it in the message of the hour. The creative power of God that formed the universe, the heavens and the earth that took a, a, an earth that was without form and void and began to speak life into existence, begin to make an atmosphere for life to come forth, and then begin to sow the seed, and the seed begin to form, and it began to transform itself because the life is in the seed, and it began to manifest its life. All of that which happened in Genesis chapter 1 is laying right in your message. You got a problem? Creative power is laying right in your message. It's been revealed. Are you identified with it? Are you the bride that this message speaks of? Are you the people that this message describes? 
Are you the ones, as the musicians come, are you the ones that God has chosen to speak into existence in this last days and put into their hands, not just in their hands, but in their hearts, such tremendous supernatural power that can change any situation if it's handled in the right way? By revelation in an atmosphere of divine love. You have, those of you that have been quickened by this message, now I'm talking to the believer. You have revealed in you by this message the mighty God unveiled within you. As he reveals himself, he reveals you. And as that becomes revealed in you, you have a choice. Am I identified with that? Or do I identify with my own ambitions? With my old culture? With my old family? With my old ideas? I'm not, trying about, I'm not talking about forsaking family or forsaking anyone. I'm talking about who you are. God put in you a seed that is a creative seed that he has quickened by his word. If you'll handle that seed correctly, you can change any situation. It's not by you becoming some great thing and speaking things into existence. When Brother Branham came into a situation in his home that needed changing, and you've heard this many times, but let me remind you, he didn't walk in the house and raise his voice and raise his hands and says, I'm a prophet of God. Let every spirit in here come under my subjection. No, he walked up beside his wife at the sink and began to dry the dishes. All the time saying, Lord, help me to change this atmosphere. And if I can really express divine love the way it is meant to be expressed, it'll change this situation. There was his wife. He says, what was I doing? He says, I know that was my wife. And I was an amateur creator. And I was... Changing the atmosphere. That's my domain. That's my house. I have a right to do that. And so as he began to talk to her, not about, hey, have you heard about the seven seals? Did you know that this was in the seventh seal or the breach or, you know, we're studying this or studying that? No, he began to talk to her about address. Imagine. I could call some brothers' names here, but I wouldn't want you to think I'm talking about you. You know, but let me look around and say, you know, when's the last time you talked to your wife about a dress that you saw that would look good on her? Getting kind of quiet. <laughs> Praise the Lord. All the sisters are going, preach it, brother. <laughs> I'm just trying to break your tension a little bit. He says, I saw a dress that would look good on you. Let's go look at it. She had an excuse not to look at it. She says, you know, I, I, uh, I haven't even made supper yet. So, of course, he said those supernatural words that the angel revealed to him. I'll make supper. <laughs> and things begin to change. Not all at once. 
Not just a spoken word that's, that's instantly changed, but he walked by faith in what the word said he was. See, I'm talking about everyday living. And as he walked by faith in what the word said he was, he began to change the situation. I did what I could at this moment. I'm in this situation. There's nobody else going to change the situation but me. I take responsibility. And I'm identified with what God has revealed to me, that I'm his son and I'm an amateur creator. And he's revealed his divine love in me. And the power of the Holy Ghost in me is divine love. But let me get that to the forefront. Let me get that. Not my intellectual understanding. Not trying to piece it together. Not trying to understand things. And, I, and this really has been, comes right down to my prayer. It's been deep in my heart the last few weeks. Lord, let me love everybody the way they deserve to be loved. Not the way I want to love them, but the way they deserve to be loved. When Jesus went from situation to situation, what was he doing? He was displaying the love of God. In every situation, we might look at it and say, well, you know, I don't want to get involved. I don't want to be a part. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. No, there's something in it that says, Lord, you direct me to be an expression of the love that you put in me. And as Brother Branham began to express that in his home, Little by little, it began to change. The wife stopped crying. The children stopped fighting. The atmosphere began to be changed. Not one scripture had been uttered. But a son of God knew who he was. And he began to apply that in every situation. Let's stand together. I'm amazed that you love me. I'm amazed that you love me. just bow our heads for a moment maybe you're here this morning and you don't know him as your savior you've never given your life to Jesus Christ and accepted the price that he paid at Calvary as sufficient for your own sins 
and you want to give your life to him and accept him as your savior why don't you just slip your hand up while our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed and just say Lord I want to know that love and maybe you're here this morning that you would say I, I, I really don't no walk deeply in that love like I ought to and maybe I'm not identified maybe you're not identified in that love the way that you need to be and you want to say Lord I want to be fully identified in your love why don't you slip up your hand and say Lord Jesus you know my heart take the things away from me that are not identified in the word and let your identification be upon my life Heavenly Father, author of life, author, beginner, creator of life, who made us for your glory, O oh God, and sent your word in a great, deep, redemptive plan that was hidden for many ages, but is now revealed unto the sons of men. Lord, you see these hands that are raised to front of you Lord Jesus not in front of anybody else you say Lord I feel a call somehow to that kind of love I feel a call for a deeper walk with you I feel a call to know you in the revelation of your word more than I've ever known you before Lord Jesus we just invite you to come by each one's way this morning Lord as you're here in the service because you promised to be and Lord we sense your nearness in this very sacred moment Lord may you come to the individual in the pew may you come to the individual maybe streaming the service this morning in their home says Lord Jesus fill me with that kind of love Lord let me have that kind of atmosphere unhindered in my life Lord, not, not distracted or, or discouraged or, or in any way hindered by the things of the world. But Lord, may you just pour out yourself into our lives in a greater way. Lord, when the people leave the service this morning, may they go out into the world as powerhouses of the love of God. May their credentials, may their identification be that the word is living in them. And Lord, that their life is surrendered through the blood of the Lamb to the kingdom of God. Lord, I commit each and every one into your hands and ask your blessings, Lord. Pray, O oh God, that you'll sanctify. Pray, O oh Lord, that you'll, you'll cleanse. I pray, O oh God, that you'll fill with your spirit. I pray, O oh Father, that the power of your love will even move out and, and, and restore whatever it is in bodies that need to be restored, Lord. If there's sickness, let it leave, O oh God. Let every demon power be broken. Let every chain fall by the wayside, Father, this morning. And may your blessings, may the windows of heaven just be opened up and poured out blessings upon every life this morning. We give ourselves to you and ask, Lord, cause us to walk in your love above everything else we've studied this subject for three services now Lord if we could I suppose go on forever about your love but Lord maybe that would be the, the close of it for now I don't know but Lord I'm sure that I was inadequate to deliver the thought the way it ought to be but I serve a God who is great in power and able to take the words that I spoke
and cause revelation to strike the heart of the hearer. And Lord, I pray that through it, Lord, it will make sons and daughters of God more into the image of God than ever before. I ask these things in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. My Jesus, I love Thee. I know Thou art mine. As the ones getting baptized are going to get ready for Thee, all the follies of sin. I
sing that first verse again. My Jesus. Just sing it to him this morning. I know thou art mine for thee. love him if ever we loved him it would be in this day because we really have received a revelation of his love like no previous age this isn't brotherly kindness this is divine love that has been revealed this isn't a partial revelation of the ages gone by this is the fullness when that which is perfect is come that which is in part which could not meet the final goal shall be done away with. That is to say, we no longer operate in part. We operate by the fullness of the Word of God. They had truth in every age, but now is the fullness of the truth. The Word of God is in full effect in this hour. There's no reason for the devil ever to defeat you. The very power that even created the devil is what dwells inside the believer. He's under your feet, and he has no rights over you. Amen. Let's sing that song, uh, Out of His Great Love, He Picked Me Up. Amen. I love that, that song. It was written by a believer. Aren't you glad He picked you up? Amen. I had gone astray and lost my way when He called upon His name. Then He rescued me. Now the song I sing. Like me, I once was lost, but now. 
Think about his love. Think about his mercy. Think about his love. Think about his mercy. Think about his grace that's brought us. have your seats. Then he started searching. And that's the time the Lord started dealing 
was on Sister Eileen. And just a year ago, Sister Heather introduced her uh, through the message. I think this is a great time, Sister Heather. And uh, Sister Eileen started searching, started coming to the church, and then she made her decision. She said, I want to believe this message and be baptized in the name. Lord Jesus Christ. Do you have anything you want to share with us? Good morning. I'm very excited. I'm very happy to be baptized today. That I'm looking for. I've been searching the real, true God all my life. I was sure now I truly found Him, and I want to walk His way and to show my family that He is true God, real God. That they will one day come and worship Him. Amen. Yes, I'm the only one that into this family that being Christian, so I want to show them that I am daughter of God. Amen. Thank Hallelujah. Let us bow our head. Oh dear Heavenly Father, how touching it is. And she want her life to be speak louder than her mouth, Lord. And let her life be so shine before her family so that they saw that she's walking in the truth. And so that was leading all the rest of the member, whoever she loved and loved her, into this present truth, Lord. Father, we just ask you, as my sister make her decision, give her whole self to you, we ask the baptizer, that which is the Lord Jesus Christ, coming down, Lord, baptize her into your name, into your life, so that the life of Jesus Christ can dwell in her. When she's walking out from this place, Lord, may her life be so shine before every person that she was encountered with. Lord, when she pray, when she pray for her family, and that's the end that she loved so much, Lord, may this life become a salt that make them so thirsty that when they taste the salt, then they want to have the same life that she had. Father, we give you all the thanks. Sister Eileen, because we received the Lord Jesus as your personal Savior, give your whole life to him. Yes. Now I baptize you in the name of our Lord, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We sing a song. Uh, what is uh, the song? The one we baptized. The one we're singing uh, in the water. What is? Yes. Uh, Brother Wong and uh, Sister Young. 
Uh, they're uh, coming from uh, Beijing. Uh, that's uh, Brother uh, Jim and uh, Sister Shirley's um, uh, personal friends, and also they all went to the same church. I wonder if uh, Brother Jim, you can uh, stand up so that we know uh, Sister Shirley. She probably is. Uh, Oh, Sister Shirley is over there. And they were even just not, uh, baptized uh, not long ago. And uh, Brother Jim and Sister Shirley, now they're uh, on the mission. So they start to uh, sharing with everyone that they, uh, they have a know of in their uh, church in uh, Beijing. So uh, they started posting uh, the message on there. And the Brother Wong and uh, Sister uh, Young start to reading it. And first, uh, they have uh, a lot of a question uh, about that. And uh, then uh, they are... Uh, I want to come over here to uh, because their uh, daughter is in uh, Denver, Colorado, and their son-in-law as well. They want to visit them, but before they visit them, they want to also come to see Brother Jim and uh, Sister Shirley. And they also had a commission. It's the same commission uh, Brother Jim and Sister Shirley had from their church leader. <laughs> Pull them out of the cult. <laughs> so they have the commission that in them, and they come in over. And uh, so they start to talk with Brother Jim and Sister Shirley. And uh, Brother Jim and Sister Shirley said, you know, we're book, uh, we booked a cruise trip. And uh, do you want to come with us for the cruise trip so that we can talk about it? So they booked the 10 days of a cruise trip. And that every day they have a Bible study from the morning to night. And then... I'll share you a little thing. I hope Sister Shirley won't mind to me. Sister Shirley said, uh, she said, every day, every morning, the first thing when I woke up, without even changing my clothes, with my pajama on, I went to their cabin, knock on their door, with a Bible on my hand, let's have a Bible study. Talk about the Word. <laughs> and so after 10 days, and uh, they, uh, uh, as soon as uh, they started sharing about um, the serpent seed, our brother Wong saw this right away. He said, that's it. He said, that's, and I have no question whatsoever. And then the, but the wife started to struggle a little bit. And so when we have a, one day we have a Bible study in a sister Juniper's place. Actually, that's the last week. And during the sharing and the sister Young and the brother Wong, they've been praying. And the Lord gave us a wonderful time together. And um, uh, one, uh, in a, one of the occasions in that uh, Bible study, Sister Young asked, she said, uh, what does this message to do with me? What does this God to do with me? He said, I want a personal God. I don't want to go back to the old rot to it again and uh, come in here and hear the truth and go back to the same person. He said, how, how can be a difference? So then I take them back to the book of Exodus. I said, when the prophet... When he doing the signs, the miracles, and she, our sister said, I said, I know. I said, uh, Brother Branham did this and that and all the vindication. He said, but what about me? I said to the prophet, he uh, asked for the flight come out. The prophet to do the miracle, turn the water uh, into a blood. The prophet um, uh, commanded the lights to come out. I said that when he done all he could, and he commanded the people to do one thing, kill the lamb. Apply the blood. And I said to the lamb, they have been killing for 400 some years. They've been always doing that. The bread that they've been eating, they've been always making the bread. But I said that this time is different because it's the vindicated prophet's word command them to do. 
And then Sister Young's tears started coming down. And the presence of the Lord started falling. And so everyone, we can feel that. And Sister Young said, that's my first time the Lord Jesus become a personal to me. And they want to give their whole heart to the Lord and be baptized. So about five years ago when I was in a church in Beijing and we were baptized uh, and in that time, uh, we were very happy. Because uh, in those times, we never even uh, known about Christianity. So we were very hungry. So when that time, when I was uh, in my baptized, I said to the people, I'm 50 years old, and this is my first time I ever known about Jesus. So we study, and we're very hungry and thirsty. And we uh, have a Bible study. But after a little while, we and the way uh, to my what I feel the Lord used to be, but it never now. Because at that time they all teaching us that there's no science, no miracle whatsoever now. So in So then uh, from uh, what I understand from the, the church is the God it used to be, but he never do things it anymore. So we're always trying to fight with our old ourselves. Then I, then I realize it's impossible, because every time I want to try the difficult to come, it's always the old me overcome me. So this time when I come to Vancouver, uh, and we heard the message uh, Brother Brandon preached. Wow, I, I thought myself, my, uh, the, almost like the windows of heavens is open. This is the uh, truth. I know Christ is among us. And this morning when I woke up, I'm so excited. Because I'm going to be baptized. And then I, in my mind, I was thinking of the one psalm that was singing. And the amazing grace, how sweet it sounds. When on my way to the church, I was singing along the whole road about this song. Oh, thank you. Hallelujah. Thanks, Jesus. I didn't see you so close to me. You are in my heart. 
obey your son, daughter. You give me grace. And we will show your glory in our family. Thanks, Jesus. Amen. Stand together. Aren't you glad what the Lord is doing? I'm always amazed at the hand of God, the sovereign, mighty hand of God that arranges things for people to be in a certain church and then saves one of them, knowing that the others will come. (laughs) I'll take this one, and then these will come, 
and I'll save them. And these will come, and I'll save them. Our God is beyond any human thinking. That's not the way we would do it. We say, Lord, don't put him in that church, or don't let him be that, or don't let him be part of that. But God knows what he's doing. And he's going into every kindred, tongue, and nation, redeeming all that are redeemable. And for that, we give him glory. Amen. Aren't you glad to be a part of it? Amen. I'm just thrilled to be a part of it in this hour. Brother Mike Gagne, why don't you come and dismiss us in a word of prayer this evening or this morning. Brother John Andes will be ministering tonight. So thankful for what he's done for us. And if the Lord would tarry, so looking forward to the service tonight. Come on, Brother Mike. Let's bow our hearts. Our precious Heavenly Father, Lord, we are so thankful that we can call you our Father. And Lord, I've just been pondering in my heart for weeks now the scripture that said your creator has become your husband oh God what a marvelous thing Lord that the revelation of Jesus Christ would be revealing a bride in his last day in his very image coming into the very likeness of her creator so much like him oh God that you would turn a sinner into that very one that you had in your heart from eternity that you could share a throne oh God what love is this what an expression of love we have felt we have seen we have heard we have become that word made flesh we become oh Lord the very heart of God you said that Jesus Christ was the heart of God and we are the heart of your heart blessed be your name Lord Jesus Blessed be your holy name. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb of God who was slain for me. Hallelujah. 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 Glory. Glory, glory, glory. Glory. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you Jesus. Thank you Jesus. Thank you Lord. My God, my Father, my Savior, my Husband. Hallelujah. Glory to your name, Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, bless you. Thank you, Jesus. Go with us now, Lord. Bless each one, we pray. 
Do we all come into the fullness of the promise? The word made flesh. In Jesus' name. Amen. before we go is he worthy this morning worthy